What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show, Birmingham Bowl Edition. We got Mr. Don Williams on the phone right now. He's going to talk all things Texas Tech football and the Birmingham Bowl. Part of the Mitch Davis Show, Birmingham Bowl coverage. We're really looking forward to the bowl game. Real looking forward to this interview. Hope you all enjoy it and thank y'all. We welcome Mr. Williams on the phone. Mr. Williams, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, Mitch. Good. Thank you for coming on the show. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Uh, big, big bowl game coming up. Kind of tell us a little bit about the general consistency going into the uh, Birmingham Bowl with the Texas Tech fan base. Um, well, I think it's kind of one that uh, it's a game that a lot of Texas Tech fans are maybe surprised to be playing because going into the last game of the season, Tech was sitting there at five and six playing Texas on the road and was a 10-point underdog, and uh, it got even more bleak from there because Tech was trailing 23-13 to going to the, uh, or in the fourth quarter, and then Nick Schumann came off the bench and threw two touchdown passes so late, uh, the last one inside the final couple of minutes to uh, pull out the victory and get Texas Tech bowl eligible. So 6-6, uh, six and six, again, uh, uh, a bit of a surprise. Uh, with kind of the way the season was trending, as this team was not finishing strong until the final game of the season. Uh, with that said, matchup against uh, South Florida, I think it's one that um, Red Raiders are, are have some concern about because, I mean, you look at the record, South Florida 9-2, and two, uh, one of the better teams in, that's not in a Power 5 conference, nationally ranked at number 23 in one poll, number 24 in another, and then I think uh, Quentin Flowers, the uh, South Florida quarterback, is a big attention getter for the Red Raiders, uh, a senior and a guy who not only can beat you with his arm, but uh, obviously very elusive as uh, the statistics speak for themselves with all the yards that he's run for over the course of his career. So um, it's a matchup that I think is uh, a big challenge for Texas Tech. Um and, um, you know, with that said, in terms of fan interest, um, I, I'm not sure. With all due respect to South Florida, um, I think Tech fans, a lot of them probably would rather be facing some other program that's in a Power 5 conference. Um, and I don't know, in terms of fan interest, uh, it's fair to say that I, I, I don't know that this is a big, highly anticipated matchup in Lubbock. So do you think a lot of do you think there will be a decent amount of Red Raider fans in Birmingham? I know leading up to Christmas, I know that that could be a concern also with fan attendance. You know, not only with the matchup per se. Yeah, I think uh, I'll be surprised if it's a real big turnout. Just because again, it's uh, um, this was a program that a month ago all the discussion or much of the discussion was centered around. Cliff Kingsbury's future and the expectation uh, was uh, among a lot of folks was uh, that he would be fired, and um, so uh, in terms of so say you couple that with um, with uh, as you said these being a game two days before Christmas out of state, uh, my expectation is. 
uh, a few to several thousand Texas Tech fans there, but I don't think it'll be a. I'll be surprised if it's a really big turnout from a Texas Tech mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you mentioned Coach King, Coach Kingsbury. What is kind of the general, you know, consensus around him? I know a lot of people wanted him gone uh, towards the start of the year, and now that he's kind of won six games, kind of are the fans kind of happy with that, or are they giving him one more year just to say, you know, hey, let me see what you can do with this one more year? I know he's a Texas Tech alumni, and a lot of, know a lot of fans hate to see the, you know, the Tech guy, the hometown team guy, basically get booted out. But kind of take us into a little bit of what the fans are looking into with Coach Kingsbury there. Uh, I think it's kind of divided because, as you said, he's very popular based on his, um, based on what he achieved here as a player, which uh, is kind of, he was the first big, big time passing quarterback in Texas Tech's air raid era, threw for 12,000 plus yards and nearly 100 touchdowns in his career. Then he coupled that with the fact that he's uh, a guy who always conducts himself well, presents a, uh, uh, presents a good face to the public, is uh, uh, gracious to uh, fans and media, and he, he has a lot of support. But with that said, again, he's in he's in the fifth year of his con. He's in year five of his contract. The record is uh, below five hundred at, at thirty and thirty two. So it's uh, it's really a you know, pretty divided fan base right now. I would say. Yeah, I, I I gathered most of that, you know, off the message boards, off some of the Red Raider uh, message boards. So we're going to talk a little bit of the elephant in the room, and then we'll get back to Texas Tech football a little bit. Um, how how does the Jimbo Fisher hiring at A and M kind of affect Texas Tech and recruiting, you know, on and off the field as well? I know that's a big time hire there in A and M. I know A and M and Texas Tech don't really like each other, don't play to each other right now. But how does that hiring kind of affect the recruiting cycle in the state of Texas a little bit? I think it uh, has ramifications all over the, for the programs all over the state um, because you're talking about a guy who has a track record, obviously, is a big winner, even though uh, Florida State had a down year this year. Um, you know, a big-name coach, um, very high expectations there. The Aggies have looked like spared no expense uh, in any form or fashion to uh, – to, to, to try to win and win big and, and to try to improve their position there in the SEC. And so um, any, I think any time you have a coach like that come into your come into your state with his kind of name recognition and his resume, it has ripple effects uh, down through uh, you know, the rest of the schools in the state. With that said, though, it doesn't seem like over the last few years, at least uh, during the time that uh, the Aggies have been in the SEC, it doesn't seem like Tech and A&M have gone head-to-head for a lot of recruits. Now, that might be because a lot of recruits simply uh, weren't considering Tech very much that the Aggies were targeting because uh, the Red Raiders have not performed all that well here in the last few years. But, uh, again, I I don't think it's a... uh, uh, something that you can downplay or minimize when you have a you know, coach of Jimbo Fisher, Fisher stature coming into the state. That's another uh, that's another guy to potentially steal away mm-hmm. players that can help help your own program. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take because I know outside the state of Texas, we looked out into it. You know, and we hear everything is bigger in Texas, and it really truly is with high school football. And I know high school football is king, and you know. 
with Jimbo Fisher and Tom Herman and now Coach Kingsbury as well. Those three coaches in the state of Texas is a pretty good uh, threesome to have in that state of Texas recruiting. Yeah, although, uh, you know, Tom Herman's got to get it going because he's yeah. only 6-6 uh, six six, uh, mm-hmm. here in the first year, which uh, that uh, won't fly very well in Austin if that keeps up very long. <laughs> as, <laughs> yeah. Again, like Charlie Strong, as, as they proved to Charlie Strong, they didn't give him much time. Yeah. Um, so next up, we're going to talk about a little bit of that Texas Tech offense. That Texas Tech offense is averaging 468 yards a game, uh, 17th in the country, and how and 34 points on average per game. How how many how important is that to find the consistency week in and week out with that Texas Tech offense? Well, it's been a big discussion point because uh, you know for the second half of the season. Um, Tech had a tendency to, uh, to start fast, look real effective and efficient on the offense in the first half of games, and then the last uh, six or seven games had a real uh, difficult time moving the football and scoring in the second half, particularly in you know, third, quarter, third quarter games, fourth quarter games. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at, uh, again, about the last six or seven games of the season, big disparity in what Tech did on offense in the first half and what Tech did on defense in the second half. And you know, Nick Sheminek being the quarterback was kind of a lightning rod for the criticism. And you know, some of the numbers that you mentioned there, mm-hmm. you know, 17th in the FBS in total yards and uh, I guess 26th in the FBS in scoring. Um, at many programs, maybe most programs, those would be uh, numbers that are touted. But Texas Tech was what they have uh, done here uh, over the last 20 years offensively, that's kind of viewed as a you know, people kind of look at that and go only 17th, only mm-hmm. 26th. They expect to be uh, among the nation's you know first or very close to first in, in yards and, and, and points. So that's uh, the offense <laughs> out here actually took uh, quite a bit of criticism this, uh, this season and really uh, for most of uh, say the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. And I guess to get back around and answer your question, I, th- I think it's very important, particularly with uh, with, a play- with the kind of playmaker that South Florida presents to you with Quentin Flowers. I think it's important that the Red Raiders uh, uh, get their problems in the second half ironed out offensively and 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 develop more consistency yes, in the third and fourth quarters uh, in their bills to you know, move the ball and put it in the end zone. Yes, sir. We're going to flip the switch a little bit and go on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Defense has been much improved this year. Looking at last year's stats, you know, with turnover margins for us and what have you. Stopping the run, they're 53rd in the country, giving up on average 153 yards a game and no- nearly 4.5 yards per rush, which is a lot better than last year. What is the key to finding the consistency in the defensive side, plus putting up some numbers on the defensive front to stop South Florida. I mean, South Florida's ranking number nine, you know, well over 500 yards plus uh, per game. How, how is that, what is the key to the, you know, finding that consistency for the bowl game, stopping South Florida to get a Red Raider win? Well, I, I would say two things, and I, I can't point to two reasons why Tech was so much improved on defense this year. One was they had... Uh, a, a much improved uh, defensive front seven 
which I expected them to have going into the season. And the other one was uh, they vastly improved uh, in the turnover category. And just kind of quickly to hit on the last one first, uh, Tech with 27 turnovers gained this season. They had only 13 last year, 27 turnovers gained this year. And they rank uh, tied for sixth in the FBS in that category and led the Big, lead the big 12 in that category. Uh, and again, kind of as to how they accomplished that or, or improved their numbers in terms of cutting down their uh, points and yards allowed. That, again, they're much much better in the defensive front seven. I think that starts at linebacker where they had Dakota Allen, the kid who was uh, – uh, a productive player here as a freshman two years ago. Mm-hmm. Then he got into trouble, got kicked off the team. He spent a year at uh, East Mississippi uh, Community College down in Scuba, Mississippi. Led the team there in tackles last year. Texas Tech took him back, and he uh, picked up where he left off and continued to develop, continued to be uh, a real force defensively. He was the team's leading tackler. And then in the year that uh, Jordan Brooker, pardon me, in the year that Dakota Allen was gone, Tech had uh, a freshman named Jordan Brooks that came in and started all season, was a true freshman, uh, probably played a little bit earlier than they wanted to, uh, than they wanted him to. They was forced into a bigger role earlier than they wanted him to have, but they didn't really have much choice because last year, last couple of years, they were just a terrible team defensively. And so Jordan Brooks, as a true freshman, led the team in tackles last season. But he benefited from, uh, even as bad as they were, he benefited from all those snaps that he played. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he comes back this year, and you can see the improvement that he had. And I would say that's where it starts, because Tech, defensively with those two linebackers, that's the best uh, best pair of linebackers, best set of linebackers Texas Tech has had in in years. And then uh, you couple that with, uh, they got a lot of production from a lot of players in the defensive front four this season. Um, uh, and maybe some of it a little bit unexpected. There was actually just a kid named Eli Howard, who was uh, uh, a lightly recruited defensive end out of uh, San Angelo Central High School. He just went to uh, the University of North Texas out of high school spent one semester there, then he decided he wanted to come back closer to home, so he transferred to Texas Tech. He set out last year, and then this year, he was just uh, uh, really impressive. Uh, you know, 6'4", 65-pound kid, has five and a half sacks. Uh, but the one the thing that kind of upsets him apart is he has a back for getting his hands on the football uh, when, it's, when it's passed, and he had a, a lot of knockdowns at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, broke up a backward pass, and Went as cost fumble. He had a tip pass that uh, that was intercepted. He had another, a couple other tip passes that actually one receive one receiver went up catching the ball, and then another tip pass against Kansas State. He batted the ball up in the air and it went back to the Kansas State quarterback and caught it, and then he was tackled for a loss. But you had so you had a, a defensive end there that gave you maybe a little more production than you expected. You didn't get really steady, steady play a defensive tackle from. Uh, Roderick Washington, who is a sophomore, and from Mike Thomas, who is a senior, but only second year in the program because he came here as a junior college transfer. And then uh, improvement from a second year starter named Colin Hill and some productivity uh, and 
the pass rush aspect from another junior college transfer named Tony Jones. So he got it from uh, a lot of different personnel. But again, defensive front seven, I think, is, is the reason why Tech is so much better defensively. And uh, you mentioned, I think, the yardage and that they made a vast improvement in uh, rushing defense. And then you also look at the fact that they cut their points per game allowed by nearly 12 points per game compared to last season. So, you know, give up uh, two touchdowns a game less. And, uh, and obviously the defense looks like that was one of the, that's one of the, one of the real exciting uh, aspects of this team. Yes, sir. Uh, last question. We're going to let you go for the day. What is some of the what are, heading into the Birmingham Bowl and into the offseason after the Birmingham Bowl? What are the uh, what are the optimism points um, for recruits going into this offseason? I know early signing day is December twentieth in a couple of days. What are the optimism points for uh, Texas Tech football? Well, I think uh, I go back to uh, what we were just talking about. That's the defense and. Um, they they return virtually everybody. Um, Mike, you look at Texas Tech starting uh, starting eleven guys for most of the second half of the season, most of the conference play, and they only lose one senior out of that group. Mike Thomas, the, uh, the defensive tackle that I mentioned a moment ago, they lose him as a senior, but uh, that's it. I mean, you have ten. You're going to have ten starters back next year from a defense that took a big step forward, and they played a lot of guys on defense as well. It wasn't just their starting group, but they also had pretty good depth and contributions from about you know twenty two or twenty or two dozen players. And so they not only have ten returning what I would call full time starters, but in addition to that, they also have six more defensive players that started at least two games. So I mean, you're talking sixteen guys on defense with. Uh, with starting experience that will be back next year they also return their entire starting offensive line and return one of the really the, the young man that was kind of the focal point of the run game the second half of the season a kid named Trey King who came to take a second summer from Hutchinson Kansas Community College uh, actually came in as a walk-on and they liked uh, they liked what they saw in him so much that they put him on scholarship before the season started. And uh, he was kind of quiet early part of the season, uh, waiting for his opportunity. But then uh, there's a stretch of uh, about five games in October and November where he rushed for uh, an average of about 80 yards per game. So he'll be back next year. Again, entire starting offensive line will be back next year, and virtually your entire defense will be back next year. So. It's going to be a um, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a group that's going to have a lot of experience going into the next season, and they were competitive in uh, pretty much every game this year, which was uh, unlike last season. Uh, you know, last season they were five and seven, but there were times when they were uh, their defense just didn't allow them to compete. This year they were six and six and were pretty much in every game. And now you're going to have um, continuity with all those people back in the offensive line and on defense, and and so I think that's, that's probably one of the key, one of the reasons why Texas Tech needs to finish strong and 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 come out with a victory against South Florida in the Birmingham Bowl is so that um, you can kind of have all this positive mojo going into the offseason and not have that uh, deflated by a bowl game loss because, again, personnel-wise going into the next season, I think you're looking pretty good and pretty confident in what you have. Yes, sir. 
Well, we greatly appreciate you joining the show, Mr. Williams. We uh, can't wait to see you in Birmingham. Well, same here, Mitch. Uh, again, I uh, appreciate the invitation and have enjoyed uh, visiting with you. Yes, sir. Anytime.